297 episodes ago on It Was a Thing on TV. Holograms cannot wear suits. I'm going to hashtag that. Hashtag holograms cannot wear suits. Maybe I just don't get fiction, or maybe this fiction is just too stupid and absurd for, for television, but holograms cannot wear suits. Dang it, I'm going to fight that to my death. Episode 11, you're not going to believe, you're not going to believe this, Mike. Zippers. Zippers? <laughs> okay, that might be the worst episode title ever. Zippers. Okay, oh, wait, wait, till the, wait till you hear the description of this. Zippers. Okay. Auto Man goes undercover as an erotic dancer in a strip club. <laughs> Auto Man goes undercover as an erotic dancer in a ladies' only strip club. Now entering the stage, ladies, it's Auto Man. Okay, so I think he's dressed as a police officer, but the thing is, he has blue lightning bolts on his back and on his um, shoulders. So it's like you remember what I said earlier about you could see like that little collar. Uh, of, of blue uh, on his neck when he wore a suit. Yes. It's, it's the same color blue these lightning bolts are, so I, I don't know if it's, you know, like peeking through the suit or... But you can still even see the, 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 the neon blue ring around his neck. I mean, his shoes are friggin' neon blue. Oh my gosh. And he just took off his pants! Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I don't think he's wearing any underwear. I think he's wearing a belt, though. What the hell? This doesn't make sense. Oh my god, he's the dancing. Oh Jesus. Oh. I'm done with this show. I'm yeah, seriously. I'm Greg. Do not gift me Auto Man for Christmas. I will send it back to you with some hate notes. Fine, I'll send you Manimal. I'll send you... Don't press your luck. Oh! I will end this podcast right now if you try such stuff. You're gorgeous. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... The Dregs of Humanity! Episode 300! Audience, uh, audience uh, applause here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Submission Ot 10 Bravo.5. Auto Man Revisited. Auto Man aired on ABC. From December 15th, 1983 to April 2nd, 1984, for a total of 13 episodes, one of which went unaired.
Well, here we are. Something that started in a Discord over a round of HQ between Greg, Mike, myself, and a few of our friends. And now we're at show number 300. This was all started thanks to Second Chance. Yeah, it wasn't over Discord, I think. I think this started uh, just in a casual chat between me and Greg, where uh, Greg, I think, found an ad for Second Chance, and I did like a uh, idiot test type of question. Can you find the dead man in this image? And that was sort of like the the genesis of, of this podcast. And it turns out that idiot test that Mike did that was the actual ad for the TV show. Oh, yeah. That was directly from, like, a TV Guide ad, yes. And now, almost three years later, 300 episodes later, we're here. Looking back at another show that Chico, unfortunately, was not here for, Auto Man. Yep. The story of a detective who wanted to be a beat cop and the computer-generated AI hologram that basically indulged his fantasies. Not those fantasies. No, the uh, fantasies of being a beat cop. Right, right, right. Non-sexually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the story of Walter Nebuchadnezzar. Doing what he likes best, fighting crime in the streets. You see, Walter's a policeman. Unfortunately, the chief doesn't want Walter on the streets. Captain, get back to your cage, boy. Now! So Walter must fight crime in his own way, in the computer room. That's where he's an expert. Fortunately for me, Walter's advanced knowledge of electronics led him to experiment with what is called a hologram. That's a very fancy word for a three-dimensional picture that, when perfected, can be made to look real, sound real. As a matter of fact, given enough power, it can even be made to feel real. That's kind of what got me into this world. My name is Otto Man. You must be Walter Nebuchadnezzar. How did you know that? It's on the programming you fed into my system. I must say, Walter, you're very good. Very good indeed. I look wonderful. If you do say so yourself. Well, you programmed me to be honest. But tell me, why did you call me Auto Man? It means that you're the world's first truly automatic man. You can do anything because you're not real. Oh, but I am. I'm as real as you are. Just different. And thanks to you, perfect. Nobody's perfect, Auto Man. Well, that's not true, Walter. You've programmed me to observe other people and do whatever they can do as well as they can do it. Jimmy Connors playing tennis, John Travolta dancing. In fact, on a scale of one to ten, think of me as an eleven. I've created a monster. No, what Walter really created was a wonderful force for good. Auto Man. That's me. Eight hours later. And of course, this came at the tail end, if I'm not mistaken, of perhaps one of Disney's most epic movies 
ever created. Of course, much like everything Disney did in the early to mid-1980s, its genius is not fully appreciated without the passage of time. I speak, of course, of Tron. Oh, what a great movie. And honestly, an even better video game. I love Tron the video game. Tron the video game is awesome. Four different mini games. Oh, I love it. But without Tron and that uh, technology of turning a bunch of reflective tape on some sophisticated computer graphics and some trick photography into that movie, we never would have had this TV show. Definitely not. You can definitely see the inspiration of Tron in Auto Man. Mm hmm. Especially with that suit that Auto Man wears. Because we all know Auto Man is basically a human head grafted onto an electronic body. So he's kind of like Slim Goodbody in a way. Only he glows. Well, but also Slim Goodbody, he wore like a bodysuit with all the, the organs and whatnot. He, uh, Auto Man, he looked more like, uh, well, not, he didn't even look like a human body. He, he looked like his body was made out of like, um, uh, like, like crisp uh, sparkly toothpaste. Do you remember like that blue, I do. I do blue toothpaste with like the, uh, the glowing, I don't want to say crystals or whatnot. But yeah, he looked like that toothpaste uh, from back in like the 90s. I do remember that. Oh yeah, good times. And and the ads. Those ads were good too. Oh yeah. So, what was this show all about? As if it weren't too painfully obvious. Auto Man was a police procedural which features the adventures of a police officer and computer programmer named Walter Nebaker, who's created an artificially intelligent crime-fighting program that generated a hologram able to leave the computer world at night and fight crime. It had to be at night because, again, his Achilles heel, something so powerful can only be generated when the police's uh, databanks are not active. That makes sense, right? Sure. Yeah, why not? Well, in the real world, Auto Man posed as a government agent and a friend of Nebuchadnezzar's named Otto J. Mann, a secret to all except Walter's close associate, Roxanne Caldwell, played by Heather McNair. Nebuchadnezzar, in times of great duress, could merge with Auto Man and become a single being as a means to protect Walter from any sort of fatal outcome. They'd share a conscience, but they would also share Auto Man's invulnerability. Auto Man also comes equipped with a key tool named Cursor, who can sketch out any object needed from a three-piece suit to a car to a helicopter to a tank. Hey, Greg, you remember back uh, when we originally did this episode, we talked about how just absolutely annoying Cursor is? Oh, yeah. 
He was a pervert. Well, annoying, but also, yes, pervert. Yes, yes, yes. He was an annoying pervert. Or, or perverted annoyance. Of course, all of this was basically kept well secret from his boss, Lieutenant Jack Curtis, and the captain of detectives, E.G. Boyd, who held up Lieutenant Curtis as the kind of cop that he thought was the ideal for police, something that Walter could never be. But something that, interestingly enough, Auto Man could not only meet, but also surpass. The effects for this show were way beyond anything ever seen on television. For one, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, how they do Scanimate with uh, like a bunch of black and white cells uh, pulled and pushed together. The same was done with the Auto Man suit. The costume appeared to glow due to retro-effective sheeting designed by 3M. And according to a Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, the fabric was made of tiny reflective balls, which sort of gave a shimmering effect, and it was able to reflect nearly 100% of the light shown at it. Uh, that's the sort of thing that you'd see in uh, the first two Superman movies with the uh, Kryptonians, particularly uh, Jor-El as he was um, setting little Kal-El into the thing and blasting him off into space. You remember that scene, right? Yes. The costume also had highly polished plates attached to provide holographic appearance and all of that was enhanced in post-production through chroma key effects. As for the vehicles, the auto chopper and the auto car mostly, the auto car was actually a Lamborghini Countach that was owned by series creator Glenn A. Larson, gussied up with reflective tape to achieve the effect along with the fact that it was dark when it was used. The Auto Chopper, a Bell Jet Ranger model, was similarly outfitted with reflective tape. Oh, and should, we should also mention that uh, Glenn A. Larson, right before Auto Man, literally two days after Auto Man's premiere, his previous show, Manimal, aired its last episode. So at least he had something to fall back on. Manimal failed. Hey, look, Auto Man is going to give uh, Glenn A. Larson a little reprieve, if you will. Well, good news for Jeff Martin at Letterman Club, who wished that friggin' uh, Manimal would turn into a car. He'd get his wish kind of, sort of, like a month later. Yeah, kind of, sort of, but not quite really, because Auto Man doesn't turn into the car. Cursor draws the car, and Auto Man drives it. Oh, whatever. Turns into the car. It's drives. not. Tur- it's not Turbo Teen, Greg. I'm going with Greg. I think it's a case of semantics. Uh, yeah, y'all entitled to your wrong opinion. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it followed sort of the crime of the week formula for a procedural at the time. There was no overreaching arc. It was simply 
there's a bad man. Somebody's being a bad man, and it's up to Walter, Otterman, and Cursor to figure out who and bring the hammer of swift justice down to bear. So let's talk about who was in the cast of Otterman. Obviously, Walter Nebaker was played by Desi Arnaz Jr., son of comedy and musical royalty, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Auto Man was played by Chuck Wagner, a classically trained singer, dancer, and actor, triple threat if ever I saw one, and I did, because I have a story here. Uh, over the course of this podcast, I took one of the first trips on Carnival's new flagship, the Mardi Gras. It is a really big ship. It's a really beautiful ship. There are parts of that ship that Kiesla and I, Kiesla's my sister, that Kiesla and I still have yet to discover. But for one night only, on the main stage midship, singing all of his favorite Broadway tunes was Chuck Wagner. And I'm thinking to myself, it's taking, I, I was walking on the promenade, which was overlooking the stage. There he is singing and performing, and it took everything in me to just not say, didn't you used to be Chuck Wagner? <laughs> I, it's like, how, I was like, how am I supposed to just approach this. I was like, I don't even, I don't even know how to approach this sort of person. I mean, here I am. First of all, I, th I thought he did a really good job on this show. I think he's a really good actor. He is an incredible singer. Oh, definitely. We gotta okay. give him credit. How you should have approached him, you should have called him Auto Man. Hey, Auto Man! Oh my gosh. How do you remember that? Or no, even better, since I think Greg and I talked about this when we originally talked about Auto Man, he was a contestant on Password Plus very near the end of its run in late 81 when Tom Kennedy hosted. Yeah. And, and, and one of his celebrity partners was Regis. Yes, we mentioned it in like, the tribute to Regis. Like, didn't you used to play with Regis on Password Plus? Yeah, we mentioned that in the tribute to Regis episode. Yeah, he was on like five episodes and never won alphabetics. He won, like, only, like, $3,000 or so, $4,000, but he was on for, like, four or five episodes of Password Plus, and I'm guessing this is at the point where they made $500 the goal, and basically one uh, match could take, like, an episode and a half to complete. Because they did 100, 100, 100, 200, 200, 200. Yeah, so you, you could play, like, six or seven uh, puzzles uh, until you get a winner, essentially. So none of that Alan Ludden, hey, three puzzles and you could win stuff. Nope. You could be on for like a day and a half. And some people actually were. Seriously, uh, we were doing uh, show prep and Greg had this idea where I would just read a newspaper on the promenade and be like, Chuck! Chuck Wagner! Did he no, that was me, not Greg. That was oh, me. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It was Mike, not Greg. So, so yeah, I told Chico to basically do a Stewie Griffin with Tom Bosley. Tom! Tom Bosley! 
Did you ever meet him? I mean, or, or did you I just... I didn't. I just saw him. Okay, I was just wondering if maybe the nerves got the best of you, or... Oh, definitely! And, and, and I'm sure you, you saw him... Who I, do you know who you're talking to? No, I, I get that. I get that. But also, did you see him multiple times on the ship outside of that performance? No, I didn't. Oh, that Oh, stinks. yeah, that's weird. You think you would have seen him just randomly but, somewhere. But then again, this is a really big ship. I mean, he could have been anywhere, and I could have been anywhere, and, you know... Not to put too fine of a point on it or make it all punny, but ships passing in the night, am I right? Understandable. I just remember when I went on a cruise, the only time I've been on a cruise was almost 30 years ago, and the onboard entertainment, we actually got a good one. We had the captain and Tennille. What? Yeah, that, that was the cruise that I went on back in 1993, Captain and Tennille, and I did see one of them, at least, once outside of the uh, the the the, uh, the entertainment area, but okay, we continue. I I was just very surprised that I know it's a big ship. I'm surprised that you didn't see him more often, either at ports of call or you know standing uh, at the buffet line or what have you. No, that's like I spent half of that cruise, half a good half of that cruise sleeping. Can't say I I blame you, okay. Enjoy your vacation, relax, absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. You know how to play the game. And in the role of Roxanne Caldwell would be Heather McNair. Didn't really do much after or much before, but... Oh, Greg, Greg's here to correct me. She doesn't even have a profile picture on her IMDb page. No, she doesn't. No, she play- no, she doesn't. But uh, during the eighties and nineties, she was a that woman from that thing. Nowadays, no idea what she's doing. But there you go. Hold on, she played Marion Davies in Chaplin in nineteen ninety two. So you know what that means. She was in a movie with Robert Downey Jr., who was also. In Iron Man. Yes. As also in SNL 1986, which we covered in a previous century. The 85-86 season, yes. Yeah, he was lost in that fire. Well, no, because he had to get out of that fire because he had to take care of Thanos. Well, well, he didn't get out of the fire in the sense that he didn't make it to the next season, but yeah. But... As we learned in the uh, close after the Raw in that episode. You just don't do drugs. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he's an expert on that. That was the best meta sketch of SNL ever. That was extremely meta, yes. Incredibly meta. And then you have his two superiors, Captain E.G. Boyd, played by Gerald S. O'Loughlin, which... I remember Gerald S. Laughlin from Our House back in 1986. A young Chad Allen and a young Shannon Doherty. And a surprisingly young Wilford Brimley. And a surprisingly young Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Hold on, guys. Was the theme song done by Madness? No. 
That's another that's another hour house. Oh, that's a shame. That should have been the theme song. Uh, our our house, house in, in the, the middle, middle of our street. street. Mm, I don't know. I, I I don't think it necessarily works with that TV show because I know, like a, but it would have been. It's a missed opportunity. It, it, it would have been the okay. It was a missed opportunity in some ways. I I will give you that. Well, at least in the promos. Yep. But he was also in ninety-two episodes of The Rookies as Lieutenant Ed Riker. So, so he, he would have he, he would have been the superior to Kate Jackson because she was on The Rookies. There you go. Okay. Of course, a pre-Charlie's Angels Kate Jackson. Pre-Charlie's Angels Kate Jackson, and then as Captain Curtis, you have Robert Lansing, who was. Gary Seven on a 1968 episode of Star Trek. Yes, that was a backdoor pilot. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't his assistant in that episode played by Terry Gore? I believe so. Yes. So, yes. yeah, that was a backdoor pilot. And now that we live in the future that they were thinking about, we know that that did not get picked up. Although, The Adventures of Gary Seven have actually been picked up in a spin-off Star Trek comic book by IDW. Nice. Terry Gar, somebody we, we, I don't think we've ever talked about her. No. 300, 300 shows and this is our first mention of her, I think. Maybe we mentioned her in the past and didn't know it, but. Maybe. Uh, he also played uh, Control, who I guess was, uh was uh, the boss of the Equalizer in the original Equalizer. The one with Edward Woodward, not the one with Queen Latifah. Yeah, the one with the rocking Stuart Copeland soundtrack. Yes. And also, he gave a bicentennial minute. Oh, he did? He did. Oh. March 31st of 1975. Okay, I don't know so, if we covered that or not, but yeah, okay. Well, well, well I, I don't think his existed, but no. it's, uh, one of his credits uh, on IMDb is he delivered the March 31st, 1975 Bicentennial Minute. Yep. Not Surprisingly enough, not his first brush with uh, fictionalized American history, because his first television role was in 1955 as William Jennings Bryan, U.S. Secretary of State, in the secret message that plunged America into World War I episode of You Are There. Oh, neat! Taking it even a step further, on three episodes, or a three-part episode of Branded, he played General uh, George Armstrong Custer. He played General Custer, presumably at Custer's last stand. Wow. So he's really into the history here. I guess he is. Oh, time out. I'm looking at the IMDb page for the Bicentennial Minute. Uh-huh. And there's like a ton of people that like, I don't think we even talked about in the original thing. Like, we could probably one day do like a Bicentennial revisit. Oh, my God. Save that for episode oh, 400. Hold on a second. Well, no, hold on. I got one better. Better than 400? Save it for July 4th of 
2026, the 250th anniversary. We'll do our own bicentennial minutes if we have to. Computer voice lady with an editor's note after the recording, we probably might do the episode of the Bicentennial Minute revisited in 2023 or 2024, considering by 2026. Well. But hold on a second. I see who did a Bicentennial Minute in 1976. Emerson Boozer did a bicentennial what? minute. Former New York Jets running back Emerson Boozer did a bicentennial minute. I'm looking here. I love that Kukla Fran and Ali did two bicentennial minutes. Oh my god. That's oh cool. wow. Oh, th- this is a deep dive. Just looking at who did all these bicentennial minutes. Oh my gosh. Yep. We could be here just doing the bicentennial minutes revisited just talking about all the celebrities here. guys oh guys time out time out you know who did a bicentennial minute in 1976 i think the better question is who didn't do a bicentennial minute in 1976 guys get ready who didn't do one guys Diana Moldor did a bicentennial minute. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, hey, you know what? We've been pulling out all the greatest hits this week. Here's another one. I really don't want to talk about it. Ah! Oh. Oh. oh, my God! Did she fall from the 200th floor? That would be appropriate. Uh, 300 episodes. That thing still ain't fixed. Elevators cost money to repair. Oh, wait. We forgot one more cast member playing itself. Cursor. Surprisingly, the only credit for Cursor on IMDb. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Okay, so we have our players. Let's talk about some episodes, shall we? Because if I'm not mistaken... Uh, episodes were not discussed in the previous go-round of Honor Man. Oh, we we definitely did. We definitely did because, well, Greg knows what I said. I'll say it again when we get there. All right, so the pilot, the first episode, the Honor Man episode, Computer Nerd creates a holographic automatic man, shortens to Honor Man, and uses him and his holographic car and a talking cursor to help solve crimes. Although I never thought Cursor said much of anything. If he did say anything, it was probably just the Auto Man. That makes sense, right? You just talk to computers. Well, maybe it's one of those things where only Auto Man can hear Cursor? Kind of like uh, Brian Griffin can only hear Stewie? Uh, yeah. And I'll Something tell you like right now. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, uh, loads of names on this episode. Uh, playing Lydell Hamilton, Patrick McNee, straight out of The Avengers. And we talked about him in Thunder in Paradise. Yeah, we talked about him there. Uh, Doug McClure played Detective Ted Smithers, which we talked about in our last episode, actually. Yeah, there's a number of repeat guest stars from uh, Manimal on Auto Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we talked about... Uh, Doug McClure in Out of This World is the mayor, but also we talked about how he was half the inspiration for Troy McClure on Simpsons. And we also have playing Martin Willis, Don Galloway, 
who would have been in all 195 episodes of Ironside as Detective Ed Brown. Oh, but this may be a future entry. I don't know. He was on a lot of shows, a lot of game shows back in the day. Pyramid, uh, Match Game. Oh, Celebrity Double Talk. That we need to talk about at some point. Celebrity Double Talk. But he hosted the Guinness Game, which I think we need to cover at some point. No, it's not going to be my Money in the Bank. No, it's not going to be my submission for the uh, Election Day uh, show. But, yeah, that's a a show that's prime for talking about. The Guinness Game, definitely, yeah. But we have even more people. I mean, we've already mentioned three people. Uh, fourth person uh, worth talking, played first gang member on this episode, is Sid Haig. And we talked about him because he played the bad guy on Jason of Star Command. He played Dragos. Yep. Dragos is a bad man. He's a bad man. And, hey, how about one more? We've done four. We'll do a fifth. And this guy may be a fringe Hall of Famer because we've talked about him plenty. Portraying the second gang member. We had the first. We've got the second gang member, Mickey Jones. He was the Iceman in the Misfits of Science pilot. And he's been one of those guys, when you saw him, uh, he, he really sort of played like a, a bad dude. Uh, well, obviously, he was like a gang member here. But he was like a biker type of guy. Uh, he was... I got to say this is a straight face. He was Parley Wayne Rockefeller on the Spring Break episode of Married with Children. I've talked about that in the past. But also, we've talked about him on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he played the gun shop owner, Gunther, in Gun Fever 2, Still Hot. Hmm. And hey, any chance we get to mention It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, we going to do it. We will never skip a mention of It's Always Sunny, no. I don't know if it was called the Iceman on the Misfits of Science pilot, no. but the it, character he was given was Arnold Beifneter, I believe. But yeah, I beef, thought they nicknamed beef. Iceman because he was like Mr. Freeze or something like that. Arnold Beefneater. Whatever. Yeah, they called and, and, him Beef for short. And we also talked about him in The Master and Ace Crawford Private Eye. Not with us any longer, unfortunately. Aw. Episode 2. Staying alive while running a high flash dance fever. When an informant providing information about the mob's attempt to buy a casino in Las Vegas is kidnapped, Walter and Auto Man probe electronic records and discover the trail leads to an influential judge who happens to be the best friend of the police commissioner. Oh boy. This could be a sticky wicket. Playing the role of Ellen Fowler in this episode. Oh, big name. Mary Crosby. Big name. And Talk guys. Lady who put a bullet in JR. That's right. She shot JR. And another person in this episode playing Judge Alexander Farnsworth, William Wyndham. Murder, she wrote? Yep. Yeah. Was, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was known for Murder, she wrote. A lot of TV shows uh, going back to the uh, 60s and even into the 50s and even even the 40s. 
His first credit is the Philco Television Playhouse back in 1949. Yikes. We don't talk about many TV shows back in the 40s. So that's kind of a rarity. That might be a first for the show 300, talking about a show in the 1940s. There you go. We're just breaking all sorts of barriers here this episode. Indeed we are. But yeah, he was like on everything back in the day. Even, believe it or not, I'm guessing because of uh, Murder, She Wrote, he did a week of Super Password back in 1986. Oh, and also, he gave a Bicentennial Minute in 1975. Second mention about Bicentennial Minutes. January 5th of 75, he gave the Bicentennial Minute. Nice. I think that should be a new game around here. Did this person give a Bicentennial Minute? William Wyndham, yes, William Wyndham did. Not with us. He, he passed away actually 10 years ago, four days before uh, the day we're recording this, August 16th of 2012. Episode 3, The Great Pretender. To get a criminal, Auto Man assumes the guise of Mr. Otto a mobster who sets out to take over his business by getting all of his associates to defect to him. Oh, playing Rudolph Brock in this episode, somebody we talked about on a previous entry, Clue Gulliger. And he just recently passed away. Yeah, yeah pa- passed away two weeks ago, August 5th. Yep. And we've talked about him in the past, like Chico said. Yep, the master. Among other things, yes. And playing the role of... And this is the name of her character, the blonde, Casey Winkler, one of the finalists in Playboy's 1979 Great Playmate Hunt, also an assistant on the new High Rollers. Playing an uncredited pool player in this episode, and we've talked about him before, Michael Pataki. He was the uh, guy who played uh, Drago's handler in Rocky Four. You remember him, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who says, whatever he hits, he destroys. But hold on, I'm going through his INDB, and guys, you're not going to believe this. Michael Pataki was in an episode of Lottery. That would be the other show that aired opposite Manimal. Yes. Which is on the list to be covered in a future episode, so. Yes. And hold on, guys. He was in an episode in 1980 of BJ and the Bear. Nice. Episode four. Ships in the Night. A business boat. I, I just said ships in the night when I was talking about the cruise, didn't I? A businessman goes missing in San Cristobal, so Curtis and Roxanne are sent to find him. Walter finds out that others have disappeared, and one was found dead, so he and Otto rush down to warn them. But better hurry, or else they're going to have two more dead people. Hey, another person, maybe a fringe Hall of Famer. Maybe we'll get in like on the fifth or sixth ballot, playing Johnson in this episode is Branscombe Richmond. We've talked about him a number of times in the past. Most uh, famously, we've talked about him being 
Can't believe I'm saying this. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. He go ahead. he was Bobby Four Killer on Renegade, but then he got upgraded and became Bobby Six Killer. He yelled two people between a bunch of seasons. Okay, hold on. I am genuinely curious. I want to see when he went from being Bobby Four Killer to Bobby Six Killer, and I want to see if there was a Bobby Five Killer stage in between. Hold on. IMDb just shows him as being Bobby Six Killer, so I'm guessing Bobby Four Killer. Oh, it looks like a, one yeah. episode in 1996. So maybe it was like a flashback episode to when he only killed four people. When he only killed four people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he was Bobby Six Killer throughout the entirety of the series, except one what appears to be flashback episode in 1996. So wait a minute, he killed no people during the course of Renegade. What kind of crap is that? Maybe he turned over a new leaf. I don't know. What, Lorenzo <laughs> Lama showed him the error of his ways? I was going to say, Greg, you may want to take this up with Lorenzo Lama. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you, man? Go kill some more people. <laughs> Go kill two more. It'll really boost your rep. No fooling. Go talk to Barry. He might get you <laughs> some help into killing some more people. Come on. But yeah, we talked about Branscombe Richmond on a number of occasions. <laughs> surprised you didn't surprised you didn't bring up NoHo Hank there, Craig. Oh, NoHo Hank. Let's be honest. <laughs> Everyone loves NoHo Hank. He is like the greatest character in the history of television. Would you not agree? That Noah Hank is the greatest character ever. Anthony Kerrigan should win a goddamn Emmy for that role. These two cases are linked. Same man who shot up monastery. is also a idiot who killed your dear sweet detective. That pin he's calling card for. That man. We have been trying to identify him. If I tell you, you'd have to pull bear my coffin. Right, Hank, I'm fed up with the mind games. Right, my patience was here. Now, it's here. Just tell us, Hank. His name is The Raven. It's a good name. It's a fake name. You're saying this Raven killed Detective Moss and shot up the monastery. I know he did. Anytime someone compromises Chechen operation, he's sent down by top press to take care of it. And he never fails. Okay. Oh, oh! Did you bring up the beautiful girl in this episode? No, I don't think we had brought that up. Who played the beautiful girl? Melanie Vince. She was... Uh, as soon as this was done, she jetted over across town and opened doors for Monty Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. I was just going to say, when you said the name, it's like, she was one of the assistants on Let's Make a Deal back in the 80s. Yeah. Episode 5. Unreasonable facsimile. A helicopter crash prompts a businessman to look into possible defective parts. He gets killed, and it looks like a mugging. In the meantime, Walter asks Otto to look at some criminal profile tapes, but Otto views a soap opera instead and realizes he's never felt love or passion. And of course, this being Chuck Wagner, he really plays up that role. 
Yes, Walter built Otto to be the perfect police officer, but he's never felt love or passion. So can we really call him the perfect police officer? Nope. Thank you, Chuck Testa. We have one big name in this episode playing Rachel Innes, the one and only Delta Burke. Oh, Delta Burke. Oh, Delta Burke, indeed. This was about two years, two and a half years before she starred on a little show set in Georgia with uh, some other Southern Bells. She played Suzanne Sugarbaker on, what is the show? Designing, oh, Designing Women. Okay, yeah. So this is a little bit for a big break on that show. Yeah. A really big break, I should say. She has a big break, but let me tell you something. Julia Sugarbaker made that show. She made it with her epic rants. The kind that Greg Diener would give if he was a woman. I don't know. If Greg Diener was a Southern Belle? <laughs> if Greg Diener was a Southern Belle instead of a Northern Ding Dong. Sugar! <laughs> I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, sugar. <laughs> and, and surprisingly, that's not the big thing that Greg wanted to break on this episode. That would have been great, though, if Greg had been holding on to that for 300 episodes, saying, hey, guys, I haven't told anybody this, but I'm a Southern Belle inspired by Julia Sugar Baker from Designing Women. That would have been a big announcement, but it's not the big announcement that's still forthcoming, so stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned. As I mentioned, there's going to be a big announcement that's going to change the podcast forever. Yes. Guys, you are so excited. No, I'm actually very disappointed finding out that you're not <laughs> Julia Sugarbaker. You're not a Southern Belle. But but you, you can try to make it up later, Greg. Okay. Episode 6, Flashes and Ashes. Walter's friend, Frank Cooney, is killed by fellow cops who steal from an armory. However, they make it look like he was a thief, so Walter does his own investigation to prove otherwise. Nobody of any real note in Episode 6? Okay. Episode 7, The Biggest game in town. Auto Man and Walter attend a computer game convention where they must track down Ronald Tilson. Tilson, a former computer expert for the city fired for embezzlement, threatens Los Angeles with total chaos and destruction if his ransom demands are not met. Trying to see who plays Mr. Tilson. Guy by the name of Rick Lenz, who, if I'm not mistaken, is actually more of a writer than an actor, although he has been in a lot of things. But he did write one episode of The Love Boat and one episode of something called Aloha Paradise. I have no idea what... The, oh, sorry, two episodes of Aloha Paradise. I have no idea what that is. But uh, apparently Bill Daly and Debbie Reynolds and... Pat Klaus were in it, so that might be something to research maybe later. I don't know. But he, oh, Rick Lenz plays Benjamin Baxter Sr. in Previous Entry, The New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Oh, does he play Beans Baxter's dad? Yes. 
Oh. So he was the guy kidnapped by Kurtwood Smith. Yes, that's that. Yeah, that son of a bitch. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith on that show. He was ugly. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. Did you see what I did there? I said he I was ugly. I saw what you did. There. He was ugly, and the terrorist group was, was, called, was called ugly. Yeah, we get it. Hold on a second. I don't think he was here for that episode of Beads Baxter. But hold on. Where is the whammy? Yes. I want to hear what the whammy has to say about Beans Baxter. Hi, hi, whammy. I'm so glad you're here for episode 300. What? <laughs> whammy, what did you think of the new adventures of Beans Baxter? Why the hell is he asking me this <laughs> Because your creator created the show. Excuse me, my creator was the devil. We talked oh. about this. Oh, hold on a second. Whammy, I gotta mention something. I met your dad the other day. You met the devil the other day? No. Yes. <laughs> your dad is the mascot for the New Jersey Devils. Well, that explains why he hasn't given me any sort of child support payments. He hasn't given any money to my mom since 1977. Listen, I told him to tell you Stop bothering us. Well, tell him this. He owes a lot of back child support, and he can sell all those freaking CB radios and hi-fis from the 70s to pay me and my mom. I'm mad. I'm going to knock over this microphone. <laughs> what are you doing? You knocked over my microphone. Jeez. I'm pissed I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, Dad. You go out for one pack of cigarettes, and then 45 years later, you see Greg, and, and you're trying to come back in my life. No. Screw you. <laughs> you know, Wayne, you could have just went to New Jersey to a Devil's game and just ran into him there. That son of a bitch has been living in New Jersey all this time? Yeah. <laughs> Look, don't give me a stare down, Whammy. Hey, Hey, Whammy. Boop. Boop. What are you trying to do? Boop the whammy's nose? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Oh, so now you think I'm Mike's cat. You just boop its nose. Boop, 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 <laughs> boop, boop. No. I'm not taking any of this crap from you guys. 45 years of no payments to my mom. No alimony, no child support. He can sell so much of those crappy video games from the 1970s that he took away from hippies on Second Chance. But no, he's got to go buy hookers and, and blackjack and hookers and stuff like that. With blackjack and hookers. Yeah, and malt liquor. Screw you, Dad. You, you have a lot of built-up angst, don't you? So what? All right, get back to the show. This is okay. not the big thing that Greg wanted to mention in episode 300, so sorry, folks. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're, we're hearing from everybody today. We have a, the whammy, and Johnny Olsen was on episode 299. He was. I, I, I'm waiting for Johnny Olsen's robot to appear soon. Johnny Olsen's robot doesn't speak to anybody but Johnny Olsen. I don't think we can afford Johnny Olsen's robot. Okay, episode 8. 
Renegade Run. Crooked Sheriff Horton tries to force biker Chico Fuentes to sign over half his land so the sheriff could run illegal immigrants over the border. Fuentes is put in jail and forced into manual labor. Auto Man and a motorcycle gang have to come to the rescue. Wait, you know who directed this episode? Alan Burns. Oh, Alan Burns. Yep. Lou Grant, Mary Tyler Moore, Rhoda, you know who Alan Burns is. I don't have to explain this. Two names in this episode. One, oh my gosh, we've talked about this. We just talked about this person in 299. And it seems like we talked about this person seemingly like once every couple of months. Playing Stone in this episode, Bernie himself, Terry Kaiser. Oh, yeah, Bernie. And playing Sheriff Clay Horton. We talked about him in episode 299 as well. Richard Lynch. And that wasn't even the name I was talking about, the second name. Playing Carl Donovan in this episode is Richard Anderson. Not Richard Dean Anderson, Richard Anderson, the one who starred as Oscar Goldman in both The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. Oh, man, when you said Oscar Goldman, you know what I thought of? Oh, no, no. I no. said Goldman, but not Goldman. No, Greg, no, no. Do you remember the American Dead with Roger when he was tearjerker and he made like the worst Oscar bait movie ever? Yes. Thankfully, you're going someplace besides where I thought. I thought where you were going to think about... I was going with that. Super Goldman from last week. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. He's no crazy Gideon. Anyway. But did you see, do you remember the Oscar Gold uh, bit from American Dead, Mike? Yes. I can honestly say I don't, no. Oscar Gold. Uh, Do you want me to bring up the trailer for Oscar Gold? Yes, let's watch the trailer for Oscar Gold. I'm going to bring up the trailer for Oscar Gold. And we're going to be entertained, damn it. Yeah, damn it. We're going to watch this. In a world torn apart by war and intolerance, one voice stood out. A voice that was strong, a voice that was inspiring, a voice that was sometimes hard to understand. I want to drive the truck! I want to drive the truck! Oscar, no, be quiet! Vim, vim! Vim, vim, vim! As if it wasn't enough that he was Jewish. I am sorry to say that your son is mentally retarded. What does that mean, Doctor? It means he'll never not be retarded. Oh, no! Oh, no! Why? Why? And as if it wasn't enough that he was Jewish and mentally retarded. Where is the rhyme? He was an alcoholic. Oscar, no! You can't have that! I want more dizzy water! I want to play more, Bobby! Oscar, I... I have some bad news for you. Your puppy has cancer. And it took the death of his best friend to realize sometimes strength comes to us all. (gasps) 
This holiday season, go for strength. Go for inspiration. Go for Oscar Gold. Well, that was something. Oh, hey, getting back to Richard Anderson. Well, first off, he's not with us any longer. But also, second, Greg, since we talk about this every now and then, he was in Donruss Americana. Looks like Series 2. Oh, that's nice. And, and I know somewhere in my collection, I know I have an autograph of his because I pulled it out of Americana from a box. I'm guessing it was probably about 2007, 2008-ish. Hey, we love our Americana around here. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. We love our Americana. Not to be confused with North Americana, am I right? hey oh. <laughs> Episode 9, Murder MTV. Oh, no, I hear a phone. Oh, no. <laughs> Hi, Alan. Surprised you'd show up on this, the occasion of our 300th episode. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm showing up here on episode 300. I want to uh, call and congratulate you guys. Well, Thank thanks, you, Alan. That's, that really means a lot, especially coming from a dead guy. I'm not dead, you son of a bitch. I did not already establish I'm a time traveler. Yeah, Alan, we established that you are traveling through time in the Taurus. You can't tell Alan his own future, guys. I Oops. didn't say a word. I, I, I'm I, just sitting here. All right, uh, uh, Chico, uh. don't. You saw Back to the Future. You can't do that. You can't Oops. tell him his own destiny. His t- The consequences could be disastrous. Well, well thankfully, to... didn't reveal much, so... No. But all I could say is, all right, 1985, you're going to work with a guy. I'd watch out for him if I were you. We don't know who you're talking about, but okay. Hey, guys, did you know I've been casting a pilot? Oh, I did not know that, Alan. Yeah, I've been casting a pilot. Maybe uh, if this doesn't get sold, it'll be on your uh, pilot month. It's uh, called uh, Growing Pains. Oh, well, we can't reveal anything about that, but uh, uh, but good luck with, you know good what? Luck with that. Give it all you got, man. Just give it all you got. Yeah, give it the old college try, Alan. Oh, well, uh, that's great. Uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, uh, I... Uh, I'm probably going to keep doing Password A, you know. Oh, how is Password A doing? Oh, Password A is doing uh, terrific. It's now in its ninth season on the air. Oh, wow. That's like the equivalent of being on the air for like 40 years. In Canada, yes. Well, Alan, uh, I need to get out of my room now. But have fun traveling in uh, Tell Ed I said hi. Oh, I'll put Ed new. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you uh, later, guys. Okay, bye, Alan. <laughs> Crazy dead folks. <laughs> it's a good thing, Mike, you didn't reveal anything. And Chico. It's yep. a good thing you kept everything. You know, it's a good thing we didn't also tell him about that. You know who. Uh, yeah. We don't talk about Kurt Cameron. No, no, no. 
Now he's too busy eating Subway by himself. Did you see what I did there? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Episode 9. Murder MTV. Sid Cole, record producer and manager of his daughter's up-and-coming rock band Sweet Kicks, that's the name of the band, folks, is blackmailed. An explosion rocks a music video shoot, and it's down to Walter and Auto Man to find out who's behind this. Oh, boy. Do we have a name for you? A couple of names, actually. Uh, playing the role of Sid Cole is Michael McGuire, who played a role of note in Dark Shadows. He played Judah Zachary in Dark Shadows. But the big names. Two yep. big well, not two biggies. I'll say one biggie and one meh. It's like one big name, one sort of big name, and one person we talked about on this podcast before. Playing the role of his daughter, Jesse Cole, Laura Branigan. Oh my god, the late did, great Laura Branigan. Yep, she did her own singing in this episode, and it was good. And really, this was the peak of her career at this point. Oh, yeah. Between Flashdance and Gloria, yeah. And, of course, this was before she hit it even bigger with The Lucky One, Solitaire, and How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? Sadly, not with us any longer. No, sadly. Passed away almost 20 years ago. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also, hey, Gloria got... Featured as the rally song for the St. Louis Blues when they won the Stanley Cup in 2019. Yep. One of the most miraculous turnarounds in the history of the NHL. A couple of uh, semi-big names playing the role of a valet parking attendant. Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Because... All right, Chico, say it. What was his best role? Uh, his best role was as DJ in Street Fighter, the movie. Okay, but that's not where I was going with that. Sorry, you asked me what I thought his best role was. His it, best role was in... And Mike, I, I hope you're sitting down for this. He played the title character in Juana Man. Oh, Oh my gosh. Did you really make a reference to Juana Man? Oh, my gosh. Yes, he did. Oh, my gosh. I was sitting down for Juana Man? Oh, my. And looking at IMDb, this is actually his first credit. This is his first credit ever? Wow. Credit number one, yep. Before Joanna, man. Oh, my gosh. Also before uh, Street Fighter and 16 episodes of Joey. Are we forgetting the 16 episodes of Joey? I'd rather forget Joey and Joanna, man. Which is... Move on from all that. Oh Why would you want to protect your wanna man? So anyhow, playing Josie in this episode, 
Oh my gosh. We just uh, talked. We we just literally talked about her in two ninety nine. Yes, we did. <laughs> okay, Greg. Greg, are you ready for this, Greg? I'll say it, Greg. Christy Claridge. <laughs> Man, Glenn Larson was recycling <laughs> guest stars all over the place in these two shows. Yes, he was. Yeah, yes, he was absolutely. And of course, where do we know Christy Claridge from? I can't say this on the straight face. She she's, had the thirtieth Butch Hartman lost with it. Well, no, 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 don't, 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 don't bury the lead. She was, the, she was Hulk Hogan's ex sister in law. But also, like Chico said, she had the thirty when Butch Hartman blew the thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> And of course, what did Vic Dunlop probably say? Butchie, butchie, butchie. Okay, okay. All right. I feel sorry for you guys on Place to Be Nation listening to these two episodes back to back, and your heroes repeat the same jokes. Trust me, I agree. You are perfectly right to agree. You get the first square. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, and one more name here. Playing the role of Joanne, somebody who would have gained quite a bit of fame earlier this year, Ola Ray. Okay. She was Michael Jackson's girlfriend in the Thriller video. Oh, that's nice. Oh. <laughs> you're interested. Oh, now you're interested. Episode 10, Murder. Take one. Former movie star Veronica Everly is suspected of the murder of gossip columnist Keith Gillette. Automan discovers a Hollywood producer, Michael Hagdorn, has a greater motive for the murder, and Gillette has discovered Hagdorn was financing a movie with drug money. What? But guys, there is a load of guest stars in this episode. Starting with, and we mentioned this in the first episode, in episode three, the person who was murdered. Mike, uh, say it. Yeah, he was only in like the first six minutes, but it was played by the one and only Peter Marshall. Yeah, the original host of the Hollywood Squares. And seriously, if you guys don't know who this guy is. Oh, yeah, we, know, we, know, color, we know. In, Come on. And even if you don't know, you've probably seen him. In in living color, because of course he was the master of the East Hollywood Squares. Best, absolutely, get best game show parody ever. Oh, it definitely was. East Hollywood Squares was the best. Mm, I wouldn't say the best, but it's up there. I'd say it was. You know, we. You know, the Daily Dozens didn't have Alex Trebek, John Cervenka, which I guess would do. More names, guys. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Playing Michael Hagedorn, the Hollywood producer uh, who was uh, financing this movie with drug money, we talked about him in 299. Ed Lauder, he played the coach in Not Another Teen Movie. That's right. But hold on, guys. Ed Again, not La- the only name. We got more. I know, yes. but I want to mention something about Ed Lauder that we didn't okay. mention. Okay. He was on. Five episodes of BJ and the Bear. 
as Captain John Sebastian Cage. And guess what, guys? He was in three episodes of The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. Miss Sheriff Lobo. We all do. Oh, but hold on, Chico. He was also in, and you're going to love this. He was in two episodes of Psych. Yes! And since we love recycling jokes from 299... Diplomatic community. It's just been revoked. <laughs> okay, and uh, before we get to uh, the biggest name in this... um, Well... Because well, no, there's, 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 so there's many not, I think, no, I mean, there's not just the biggest name. It's like equally spread. There are multiple big names in this. So we mentioned Peter Marshall. Mentioned Ed Louder. Well, Ed Louder is not that big in the grand scheme of things, but I really think the next, I think we got three more names. We have three, we have three more names. The first one playing the role of Frank Loren, Bart Braverman. TV's Bart Braverman, TV's yeah. TV's Bart Braverman, yes. And then you have, playing the role of Philip Earns, Greg Malavy. Yes! We grandfather, about grandfather Shay from iCarly. Yeah, that's right. And also, he's in a recent episode of the new iCarly on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, nice. And we should also say that he is the uh, widower of Meredith McRae. Yes. And he's done a lot of stuff. He he was on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Uh, I think he was actually Mary Hartman's uh, husband in that show. Tom Hartman, yes. So, yeah, big name there. But that may not even be the biggest name. Any of those people, Peter nope. Marshall or Bart Braverman nope. or Greg Malavy. Nope. No, in this episode playing Veronica Everly, Michelle Phillips. Oh, yes, Michelle Phillips. The mother she, of Mackenzie. She of the mamas and the papas. Oh, yeah. Absolute legend. So, yeah, big names all around in this episode. All right. Well, guys, it's come to this. Oh, oh no! Okay. Oh no. Hold, no! hold on! Hold on! Hold on! All I need right. Everybody, I need. I need just bring it. I just bring us back here. What? Hey bring guys, I'm gonna bring us back here. What started as a transition to get away from talking about Whitney turned into the greatest bit in the history of the podcast. Who wireless? Who wireless? No, not that one. All right. Episode 11. Mike, say it. Zippers. 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 Auto Man goes undercover as a stripper in a lady's only strip club. Oh, God. Exotic dancers Gary Baxley and his partner Stanley are suspected of making wax impressions of the owner's keys. Oh, is that what they're calling them nowadays? And burgling their houses when they are out. Oh, that is what they they're calling it nowadays. Oh my gosh! I'm just gonna I'm gonna be really. Oh no, no, Greg! I'm gonna no. be I'm like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be really brief here 
James Morrison plays Gary Baxley. He wasn't in much. Oh. Well, that's okay. that's a lie. He played Warden Dwight Murphy in Twin Peaks. Oh, that's great. He was in Twin Peaks. His partner, Stanley, is played by Tom Everett. I don't think he was in much. No. I nope. don't think he's related to Tom Everett Scott either. No. Okay, Greg, I see you've got something pulled up. Yes. But you probably want to see this, so... Uh... Okay. Well, here we go. Cursor, I need something a little less flashy. What does it matter where I'm going? Zippers? Don't be silly, Cursor. Why would I want to go there? Now, how about those threads? All right, all right. You can come with me. <laughs> Mike, I want you to... This that's not, that's not, even, that's not the, even the best part. That's not even the best part, but Mike, in the original episode, you had a problem with this. You gotta refresh my memory. What did I have a problem with? You had a problem with Auto Man wearing a suit. I don't have a problem with Auto Man wearing a suit. In fact, I think Auto Man should be wearing a suit. What was my problem with Auto Man wearing a suit? I legitimately don't remember. I don't know, but you wanted to make it a hashtag. Holograms cannot wear suits. Okay, yeah, that that was something back in the day. Remember, this is a very this is a very powerful computer program. It yeah. takes an incredible amount of energy to produce a hard light hologram. I learned that from watching Red Dwarf well, Series okay. 6. Yeah, but let's be fair. It was three years ago when he said holograms cannot wear suits. And we've had a lot of crap happen in the last three years where that doesn't even rank as like one of the most outrageous things you've seen. No. Huh? Well, also, I, that was not even what I was expecting you to play. Oh no! Because oh, oh no! Hold on. hold on, we're gonna find it. <laughs> All right, hang on a second. Here we go. Hey, gorgeous! You're the guy Rudy sent over. Uh, that's right. You know how to dance? No, on second thought, who cares? Dressing room down the hall to the right. Thank you. Uh huh. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Stop staring at her ass, dude. <laughs> So what's your gimmick? I'm Robin Hood. It's amazing they still haven't caught up with you yet. Everybody's got a different costume. It drives the women out of their minds. Fulfills their fantasies. What sort of fantasies? Well, I don't know about theirs, pal, but mine is a hundred screaming women begging me to take it off. So what's your thing gonna be? I suppose you could say my thing is uh, electricity. Electrician, huh? I'll tell Lillian. Once you're inside, you can let me in through the side door. Gotcha. I really appreciate you. Oh, gee, me out I wonder what's going to happen here. Have you ever been to one of these places before? Are you kidding? Nice to see you again, Roxanne. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Yeah. And now, ladies, get ready for a real charge. It's auto for high voltage electricians. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that is a fluorescent suit. Yes. Why didn't you talk to uh, Schaefer about this? Wait, does that thing say autoerotic? Yes! <laughs> Go ahead, everybody! Auto-electric, not auto-erotic. You don't want to know. I like auto-erotic better! Windmills. Thank you, Roxanne. I, I was, wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, regular Gypsy Rose Lee. Come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> okay, I have questions. Yes, yes, me too. <laughs> we go first, yes. They can clearly see that 
he's not like anybody they've ever seen before. And they have no problem with this. They're completely cool with this. Everybody's cool with this. Walter is perhaps the one person in the room who is not cool with this. I'm, I want to build off of that because you make a good point. Did the females see something besides what we saw? Or did... I, I, what I mean by that is, like, did the hologram look like male stuff down there? Or... Did they just see, again, that sort of Tron slash gel toothpaste blue that we saw as a hologram? There's like, it doesn't make any sense. But also another thing I noticed is sometimes when he did his his moving around, the, the flipping and turning and whatnot, I don't know if they totally, you know, got the the blue hologram effect going. Yeah, he was moving so quickly and so deftly that I I don't believe the uh, computer had time to catch up with the uh, suit. It's yeah. sort of like uh, there was an early Scanimate film with a dancer who was moving so quickly that the computer could not catch it. Yeah, I, because and yeah, what I'm ta- uh, my takeaway from that was was you could see, not that I was paying attention to his backside, but you could see that his backside didn't have blue there. It, it, it was like a, a a darker color, like a, a brown or a black, like sort of the chroma key didn't get everything or something like that. Or again, like like Chico said, he was moving too fast for the the, the computer processing, what have you. Those were my my takeaways, but uh, I, I'm I'm with Brother Chico on this. That, that many questions and and not many answers. Like, like I have questions. All right, episode twelve. Wait, that's all we're gonna say about zippers? Wait, what do else? We ha- all right. Do we have? Oh no, there, guest- there's nothing else I wanted to say. And I just I thought that was just a weird note to we end. We have guest on. stars. No, we've mentioned everything. Okay, good. All right. No, actually, actually, I think there is one guest star I'm going to mention. Uh, Playing Dennis Stanton in this episode is James Callahan. Has not been with us for uh, over 15 years. But the one credit that I noticed that caught my eye was he played Walter Powell on Charles in Charge. Yes! Yeah, he played Walter Powell... Uh, and it looks like it was through the syndicated run, not the, yeah. the first uh, season yeah, on CBS. Yeah, definitely on the syndicated run. But besides that, I got nothing. So we can close up zippers one last time. <laughs> oh, for, for the love of God. Okay, episode 12, Death by Design. When a friend of Jack's, another cop, is killed while working with him, they think that the killer is a professional hitman. But because of insufficient evidence, they can't hold him. However, Walter comes up with a plan to get the man to turn on the ones who hired him by planting stories about other criminals who escaped prosecution because of technicalities or insufficient evidence, and it being killed by a vigilante. And when a reporter suspects it's Jack, Walter has Otto posed as a rogue cop, and Jack learns that the killer is working for a loan shark who is trying to get the owners of a fashion house who borrowed money from them years ago, but paid them back 
to give an interest in the business which they refused, so they hired the killer to kill one of the partners, and the other one is next. But she refuses to give in, so Walter has auto-watch her. And we actually have a name in this episode, uh, playing, of all people, of all possible names, Tracy Morgan. No, not that Tracy Morgan. And Lockhart. June Lockhart's daughter. And she was on uh, on uh, Battlestar Galactica, among other things. But I think that's what she's best known for. She played a number of characters in the original Lassie. Definitely mm-hmm. a, a known name, as it were. But yeah, she was big back in the 70s. Like I said, Battlestar Galactica. She was on Hollywood Squares uh, for a couple of weeks. All-Star Secrets. Okay, another big name in this episode, playing a character named Simon Rafferty, Lance LeGault, who was in Dynasty for six episodes, The A-Team for 20 episodes, Airwolf for nine episodes, and the entire run of Werewolf as Alamo Joe Rogan. No, not that Joe Rogan. No, Alamo Joe Rogan. Thankfully, not that one. Yeah. And also returning as a model on this episode is Casey Winkler, one of the DICE assistants on... uh, Well, I shouldn't say DICE assistants. One of the assistants on High Rollers with Wink Martindale 35 years ago. That was 35 years ago. Now I feel old. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And finally... Episode 13, Club 10. Walter, Automan, and Roxanne travel to an exclusive Caribbean resort called Club 10. Roxanne gets a panicked message from her missing writer friend. They find they're all caught up in a diamond smuggling racket. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wow, I'm so happy Susan made an appearance for the 300th episode, guys. Have to. I'm so glad, too. And I believe there are no names of note in this episode, okay. although I could be wrong here. Uh, no, I, I, I don't see any. Okay. Well, I should note that this was the one episode that was unaired. Yeah, this was the one episode that it was unaired, but it did eventually get aired uh, internationally. And I believe uh, once it aired into a rerun cycles somewhere here, yeah. this got aired. And it is available as part of the uh, complete series run on DVD, thanks to Shot Factory. Yeah, this was rerun on, um, well, here in America, it was rerun for the first time on uh, Sci-Fi. Well, that's the series. And of course, one note is on episode 7 of Manimal, you can see Walter from Auto Man in the background, and in an episode of Auto Man, you can see Dr. Jonathan Chase in the background of the same scene from Walter's point of view. Yep, that's the series. That is the series. A lot of people, a lot of big names worked on this show, both in front of and behind the camera. And, again, a lot of, lots of uh, stuff not released in the U.S. about the series, but overseas. I mean, mostly the U.K. had an action figure, which basically looked like... uh, a GI Joe, not the not the not the like the four inch GI Joes, but the OG GI Joes. But instead of like 
camouflage. It is a body that has been obviously been painted in different shades of blue with white sparkles all over it. We also had a Halloween costume, a racing set, the auto car, and a Commodore 64 video game. All of that was overseas. In America, we got a bunch of Jaru toys with that could very well be for anything. All they had to do was stick the sticker on it, stick an Automan sticker on it, it becomes an Automan toy. Wait, hold on a second. What did you say this was made by? Jaru. Ja Rule had his own toy. Ja Rule. Ja Rule, not Ja Rule. Oh, well. Not Ja Rule. Oh, well, I was hoping. Murdering! No. I was hoping it was Ja Rule. Because then I would have played. You know, I'll just play it anyway. The clip for that one Dave Chappelle special. Who gives a f what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this? This is ridiculous. I don't want to dance. I'm scared to death. I want some answers that Ja Rule might not have right now. You think when bad shit happens to me, I'll be in the crib like, oh my God, this is terrible. Cause somebody please find Ja Rule, get hold of this mother so I can make sense of all this. Where is Ja? Add me Ja Rule. Well, I think one thing we should take a look at is the schedule because again, that usually paints a picture and Looks like uh, some of the first episodes, it aired originally on Thursdays. And remember, this is 83, 84, so NBC doesn't have its powerhouse lineup yet. It aired at 8 o'clock. And at least uh, early on, it looks like it aired against Simon and Simon on CBS. And also, uh, well, one of these shows might take down Auto Man. The other one, not... In 1983-1984. On NBC, yet give me a break, the better of the two shows, at least in terms of longevity on NBC. But then you also had Mama's Family. Ooh. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you to a point. Uh, moving about a month later, we're talking late January of uh, 84. This will do it. Because I don't know if that Simon and Simon was a one-time-only thing, uh, but uh, this is, again, like I said, January 26th of 84. You have Give Me a Break at 8 o'clock on NBC, a show that's a little bit better than uh, Mama's Family in terms of ratings at that point. Family Ties. Yep. Oh, I haven't even gotten to the big one on CBS. Some little show with a guy in a tiger's hat uh, in uh, Hawaii called Magnum P.I. That's the death killer right there. Not just Family Ties, but also Magnum P.I. Yeah, I imagine that after seeing what it was up against, ABC would rest Auto Man for uh, February sweeps at least, because that first Thursday, February 2nd, they aired Greece. Well, actually, what happened, it did go on hiatus. The ratings were very bad going against Gimme a Break and Family Ties and Magnum P.I. and Simon and Simon. And we're talking similar ratings to what I mentioned in the Manimal episode, consistently in the lowest 10% of the ratings. 
So it made a time slot change. It moved to Mondays. The competition, uh, let's say it was a little bit better. On CBS, you had Scarecrow and Mrs. King for the entirety of the hour. So, yeah, that, that might be a little bit easier of a challenge. But on NBC, this is not good. TV's bloopers and practical jokes. That'll do it. If there's anything on NBC in 1983-84 that could take down uh, some TV shows, it's basically bloopers and practical jokes. Because real people sort of winding down at this point. And again, this is one season before you had the Cosby show. And you had Night Court, which would have premiered around this time, but it didn't get moved to that Thursday slot. And we know about Cheers, how it sort of struggled the first year or two. Yeah. So wherever it went, it seemed like it went up against some some worthy competition. And the ratings did get a little bit better. And in some weeks, it did crack the top 40. But it wasn't enough to save it. And it wasn't consistently in the top 40. It may have gotten to like 37 or 38. But then in future weeks, it would drop back down to the 50s and 60s. It had a very interesting premise. And the cast was definitely talented. But ABC just could not catch a break in fact this was just a really bad season for abc all around if i'm being honest because did they cancel all of their uh freshman shows that season you're thinking of nbc you're thinking oh, of nbc i'm thinking of nbc abc a lot of its shows were canceled that year not freshman shows necessarily but remember this would have been like the last season of happy days Laverne and Shirley would have ended uh, a season earlier. It ended in 82-83, I believe. Love Boat at this point, I think it's starting to transition into being a special event, like a four times per year type of thing, not a full-fledged 22 or 26 episode series. So, yeah, they were sort of in a state of flux. Three's Company, this would have been the last season of Three's Company. So, yeah, ABC would have been in sort of a state of flux at this point. Yeah, in fact, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, ABC was having a disastrous season and canceled almost its entire fall roster of shows. And because of the poor ratings and expensive special effects, we talked about both of those. And again, this also did in Manimal back in episode 299. On a Man was canceled after only 12 of its 13 produced episodes had aired. Yeah, the expensive special effects, those Kushner lock special effects, those will do it. Yeah, and actually, I'm taking a look at that 83-84 schedule. Yeah, I think most of the shows uh, that debuted in 83 didn't get past 84. Just taking a look here really fast, follow-ups, bleeps, and blunders. That was ABC's response to bloopers and practical jokes with Don Rickles. That didn't last long. We talked about AKA Pablo in the past. We've talked about O'Madeline in the past. Trauma Center, we've mentioned that in the past. Talking about uh, Lou Ferrigno and Trauma Center, that didn't last very long. And we talked about Lottery earlier in this episode, the TV version of 9 to 5. I mean, really, the only new show that lasted would have been Webster. I think Webster started in 83 and 
I think it may have been 82, 83, but still, it lasted to 88. But yeah, anything else that was uh, a rookie on the schedule uh, would have uh, not lasted uh, past the 83-84 season. And yeah, to take a look here, it does say that Webster was a new series for 83-84, so that may have been your sole survivor, at least among comedies. Uh, I see Hotel, Hardcastle, McCormick, but that's about it for shows that saw a second season. Hardcastle, McCormick, Hotel, Webster, those three. Wow. So maybe this is the point where ABC's luck is getting worse and NBC's luck is getting better. Maybe we're having a reversal of fortune of sorts because, again, we know what happens in 84, 85, but uh, at least with shows that NBC debuted in uh, 83, 84, you did have a couple of shows that lasted um, beyond one season. Night Court, obviously, Riptide, TV bloopers and Practical Jokes. And even technically, you could say we've got it made made it past uh, a first season, even though it, it it took four years to get the second season because it was like canceled and revived. So, yeah, there's a changing of fortunes happening in with ABC and NBC at this point. Well, you know, if we don't have anything else to say, I think Greg, now's the time. Yes. Unleash we, we, upon the world. We have, we have this we, big well, thing. Hold, hold on. Time out. Okay. First, we got to say Auto Man, it had of Sparkly Blue Man, and it had Desney Ordinez Jr. But you know what? 1983, 1984, and ABC. This was just a thing on TV. That was a very sparkly blue thing on TV, though. It was. And it did give us zippers. Did give us zippers. Because we've been teasing this all day, it seems. Before we get into this, just a quick note uh, from the three of us. I'm sure Greg and Mike want to have their say as well. But I just want to say, we cannot do this show without you. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for allowing us to have 300 of these amazing episodes. And Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we're going to have another 300. So if anybody wants to add anything to that. Uh, well, well, hopefully we'll have more than just 300 coming up. But yes, we're very lucky and thankful for you, the listeners, for sticking with us for 300 episodes, almost three years. And we're going to keep on going until either the three of us pass or we run out of uh, topics. And I don't think any of us are going to run out of topics soon. So stay healthy, guys. I'm going to try. Hey, you know, we've gone from six legs at the start of this podcast down to five. We got to be careful out there. Oh, God. Uh, really? I'm just, I... I'm, just, I'm just being honest. Uh, okay, I get that. I get that. Okay. Well, first, before I make my major announcement, I have a special. Episode 300 edition. Of It Was a Thing on TV Haiku Corner. Yes! Applaud! Don't snap applause! Put the applause sound effects in here. Good. Alright. Guys, let's play the music. I can never get tired of this. I can never get tired of this. I'm I'm so happy we have this for episode 300. Okay. Here we go. 
the haiku corner for episode 300. 300 of these. How can we top all of that? More trips to zippers. <laughs> okay, guys. All right. We have waited this long. We've waited as long as we possibly could. We've waited long enough. Greg, it is now time for you to approach the microphone and make perhaps the greatest announcement in this show's history. A an announcement that will shake the foundation of this show at its core. The announcement that will change the face of this podcast forever. It is a great day for America. It's a great day for television. And it's a great day for podcasts. Greg? Greg Diener. Yes. The floor is yours. Okay. Guys, do we have a drum roll? Okay, guys, a major announcement for episode 300. That will change the podcast forever. The announcement that's going to rock the podcast to its core. Guys, are you ready? I, I can hardly contain myself. Okay, here's the big announcement, guys. I love wings. <laughs> Can you believe that, guys? That is the main oh, oh, oh wings. Question. Yeah. Why do you love wings? It made Tony Shalhoub's career, Mike. Don't you know? Well, no. This is a big revelation you, you've been building up for weeks. I did not know that. Yeah, as we all know, I've never mentioned ever I love wings. So this is the first time you've ever heard this. Legitimately, it is. Yes. Yes. It's I, legitimately I, am, I, am, I am shocked. This is my shocked face. And you know what, guys? There's going to be many more references to wings. I guarantee you this will not be the last time you ever heard me profess my love for wings. I mean, it is the first time I've ever mentioned it, and I'm so happy I finally said it on this podcast. So. Do you feel better now, Greg? Oh, I feel absolutely better. That's good to hear. That that, that really is. I, I'm proud of you, man. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Ice Bear is proud of you. Proud Bear. You know who's also proud of me? Your dad? Wireless. Who Wireless. <laughs> Thank you, Frankie Flight. Who wireless? Who wireless? Oh my! H how do we even top that? I, I think, besides thanking our listeners for sticking with us for, through 300 episodes, please remember: if you've missed any of the previous episodes, almost three previous years worth of episodes, please go to our website www.itwasathingontv.com. And you'll find literally everything we've done. We've done live shows. We've done mini-shows. We've done 300 full episodes. I mean, that just blows my mind. When we did this three years ago, I don't think any of us imagined we'd do 300 full episodes. And 
we've got probably approaching, I think, 400 things on our website right now. I think we're at about 380 or so. That just blows my mind. And we're going to keep doing it till we get it right or something like that. Or, or, or something. Yeah. And, of course, don't forget about the socials on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. At least on the last two of those, we're at uh, It Was a Thing on TV. Facebook, unfortunately, it's It Was a Thing on TV podcast. Stay up to date with everything we have going on there. And also, don't forget, almost everything we've done, if not everything, is on YouTube. Just go there. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. And that'll keep you up to date with any releases that are posted to YouTube. And hey, we're starting our fourth batch of 100 episodes, our fourth century, if you will. And we're going back to school next week. Yep. Well, you well, are? Well, well, we are going back to school. Some of us went back to school almost a month ago. Yeah. Hold uh, on. I, I, went to, I went back to school this last week. I can attest. I stuck the entire population of Chapel Hill. I don't know what you're talking about. School doesn't begin here in New York State until after Labor Day. Oh, good for you. Yeah, you see how I feel right there. <laughs> yes, some of us have actually been back to school uh, we've had students since the 1st of August, so we're entering week four, and actually we started the week before that, so we've actually been back to work for almost a month now. But yeah, we're going to do two back-to-school episodes. One is a TV version of a very popular movie from the late 80s. Unfortunately, the television version, not so much. Second episode... We're going to kind of sort of pull back the curtain on the teaching profession. Kind of? Kind of, sort of. Well, and and really, when I did my education, my college work for education 20 years ago, putting my hand up right now, this is the truth. An episode of this show was shown in one of my classes. So, yeah, sometimes... Uh, art does uh, mimic reality in some ways. And we're not talking about uh, Abbott Elementary, obviously. But, oh, my gosh, Abbott Elementary, if you've never seen it, that really, really is a great show and models education nowadays. Yeah, so, that's, that, well, that's also going to be at the year end. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that I wish I would have watched that earlier. Every time I see that show, it's like, oh, my gosh, it, it's like a day in my life. This is a beautiful TV show. But also, hold on, Chico. Next week, as we're recording this, will be the start of high school college football season. So basically, we're tying it all back into the back-to-school week that we're having with the two main shows we're doing. And we're going to do another live watch. Yeah, we're going to do, me and Chico, a special live watch of something related to high school football. And when you think about TV and high school football, well, you can take a good guess what we're probably going to be talking about. 
Hint, I've mentioned this show on the podcast before. He has, you know. And also, we mentioned the previous show the lead actor was in before this. It's a show about a guy who gets a paper in Chicago a day early. Think Think about the show he was on after that. I am thinking about that show. We'll talk about that football, that student, and those teachers as we go back to school next week, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Mike, for Greg, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for allowing us to have 300 episodes. Please be kind to each other, and we'll see you for the next 300. Row! Auto Man. <laughs> Zippers! Who wireless? Who wireless? <laughs>